Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, protecting the outer walls of your castle with vulnerability scams with special guest Matt Limbright from Census. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate it. Happy to now, be Matt, here. Yeah, Matt, Lam, it's Limbert, right? Limbright. Limbright. Yep. Limbright. I got it right. Hey, fine. You got it. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, you're the director of federal at Census. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Uh, director of federal, federal applications. Yeah. Federal applications at, at Census. Matt, tell me a little bit about your background and then why you decided to join uh, Census. Sure. So, uh, you know, to start off, I, um, I spent, uh, you know, I spent about eight years in the, in the army after college. Um, I, uh, you know, I started off kind of on the more, more of the tactical side of things as an intelligence officer within the army. Um, and, a uh, little, little bit of, uh, of, of cyber to begin with, but it was, it was back in 2006 through 10 before cyber was really, uh, an established thing within the military. Um, latter part of my career, I was at uh, Fort Belvoir with the first IO command, building up the, the Army Cyber Opposing Forces, uh, and then later took command up at Fort Meade to help build out the Cyber Mission Forces uh, as part of US Cybercom. So that was kind of really the, the beginnings of bringing in the Signal Corps and the Intelligence Corps together to create cyber within the within the military. Um, so. Learned quite a bit there. Got a lot of exposure to, to things that I never thought I was going to see, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, after that, helped Army Cyber out a little bit when I got out of the military and worked for worked for another startup prior to this. Um, but um, you know, I decided to come to Census. Uh, I had my own startup that didn't didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, which happens. Um, and that that does happen. I've had a couple of those myself. You know, I feel like uh, you got to go through that at least once to to know to know where you want to go. So, um, good learning experience. But you know, I was looking at I was looking at companies. I had a couple friends I was talking to about where to go, and um, you know, census was it was at first it was uh, you know internet scanning okay. Uh, but when I really started to understand how they went about scanning the internet uh, in its totality. Um, I was just blown away by the possibilities that are presented for folks of uh, just being able to not only scan the entire internet, but doing it as quickly and as accurately as they do. It was just a, um, the amount of, the amount of places that my brain went after that were, it was just too good. To oh, pass. I bet. Yeah. It opens up a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first off, thank you for your service. I appreciate all the, all the veterans that we have and servicemen that we have uh, on the show. And we've had quite a few. So thank you very much for that. And then, um, you know, I when I first interviewed you guys and talked about it, I thought, wow, this is really fascinating what you guys do. You're doing vulnerability. Well, not, it's really not even vulnerability scans. It's, well, kind of. You're scanning external from someone from the external, how they would see your assets that are out there on the Internet. Yeah, you know, I almost, I, you know, I, I like to use analogies quite often, uh, and when I when I speak with the with the federal and government folks, I've, I found it effective in in the sense of using the kind of the idea of, you know, kind of a uh, uh, you know a geo a, a geo orbital satellite, right? That kind of is rotating through every uh, you know every in our case every twenty four hours uh, and even longer, but being able to you know not only observe what we can from the height that we're at. But being able to zoom in on certain specific things, being able to cut out noise and things like that on on items of interest, yeah. And in terms of, 
you know, vulnerabilities, sure. You know, we 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 fingerprint, identify different types of software, versions, vendors, all those types of things, so that when folks hear about a specific problem set surrounding a specific software version, they can find it. But it's that's just one thing um, that folks can do. So it's it's a it's a large it's it's so much data, so many applications, um, and it's you know I, when I do training, I say it's a little bit of choose your own adventure of what you're interested in. So I bet. So let's talk a little bit about um, security and vulnerability. I mean, in I, I've I've been doing a lot of research in this area and, and security expert myself. So vulnerability scans in inside your own network are essential. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of that, right? And catalog, cataloging all that. Um, and how is this different from, I mean, you guys are doing external vulnerability scans. How, what's the difference do you see between the two and how can I leverage both? Sure, sure. So, you know, kind of using that same analogy, um, you know, what we call, we used to, used to call the intelligence community tipping and queuing, right? Which is, um, you might find out about um, a specific entity on the battlefield or something that you're interested in, but you need more to, to, to kind of delve into it. You want to get into some more specifics once you kind of narrow down what your, what your items of interest are. And that's really kind of the parlay between census and, and your typical vulnerability scanners. So vulnerability scanners, you really have to feed them what you're interested in. Um, say, you know, here's a, here's a, a block list of IPs that we, want to, that we want to do a credential vulnerability scan for and discover different, different vulnerabilities they're in of, of different pieces of software that have been patched, et cetera. Um, but the key there is is the beginning part, which is giving it the the IP list. Which I think what we're experiencing now with these, what I say, large organizations, but I think even medium organizations run into the same problem. Where if you if you run to that CIO or that CISO and say, you know, what is your what is your asset list that's exposed to the internet right now or within the past twenty four hours? They can't give it to you, can they? No, there's spreadsheets all over the place. Who owns what? Where is it? Who spun what up yesterday? And that's where that's where we come in. That that kind of that that geoorbital satellite view of the internet, right? Of give us you know your basics. Give us a domain. Give us a couple IPs, and from that we can then not only discover what else that you own, but continually monitor for that same those same um, aggregations and those same correlations between that data set, so that. You're not because we all know that we're not going to be able to catch every single time the marketing department maybe stands up a website that is exposed that doesn't have TLS rent, right? Um, it's just yeah, it's the happy birthday website that someone, hey, look, I learned how to do this on Azure. Um, and we want to, yep, and we want to, you know, we want to buy them a gift, so put your credit card in, and then oopsies, we forgot oh, yeah. to TLS, and it happens. And it's not, I think, you know, for you know we want to match the speed of productivity. And that's kind of what I think census allows. I'm not going to be able to catch everything that I need to have scanned. Um, so let's, let's have an external view to know what's, what's available to an attacker at any given time of the day. And then if we need more information about, it, we can feed it to a, a credential vulnerability scanner that will get into the weeds. So. All right. So you guys handle external, I, but you, you mentioned something interesting. What if I do, have um, some, uh, if, if I have an application that I've deployed out on the internet mm-hmm. um, in, in one of the clouds and there's callbacks into my own environment. So I'm almost acting like a bridge between 
the outside world and my inside world, but I'm not putting it on domain. I'm using obfuscation security, meaning I'm not telling anyone that I put this out there. It's in an IP address. You're not going to be able to catch that, right? I mean, you'll be able to catch it generally, but you won't be able to equate it to myself. Is that correct? Well, it all depends. If it's if it's a cloud environment that you own, uh, we do have cloud connectors that will discover oh. new, yeah, new um, new cloud instances that will pop up within that within that within those cloud instances. So, and and that's good too for you know again, you know, folks will have an AWS instance for example, and they'll have buckets that they'll open up and they won't know if it's S three buckets. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, again, it's, you know, somebody goes in there and they, they flip a switch to your point. It might not be a sanctioned thing, but they'll go in and they'll, they'll flip the switch and all of a sudden it's, it's re it's writable. Um, so, and, and instead of trying to work through all those machinations of going into each AWS instance and checking out the security controls, we, we make that available for folks right there. So, um, so yeah, so it's, we have to use obviously to associate uh, certain and, and discover new instances. We have to have obviously some connective tissue, right? Whether it's who is information, DNS information that we correlate to some of those instances. Uh, but we're, I'll tell you, we've we in that instance, and we've we've only gotten better. Um, to so and then you have Cloud way. Connect, so you can connect to like um, everyone at. Intel that's using AWS, any any account that ends in intel.com, you'll be able to, to uh, grab that and say, hey, here are all the externally facing um, uh, instances that are out there or S3 yeah. buckets or whatever. There's so many yeah. different ways to expose. So this is really interesting to me because when when we've talked a lot about security, we talked about, um, we have this analogy of a castle, right? And it was a zero trust uh, podcast that I did where, hey, the outer walls of the castle are important, but also the inner walls. You guys are really providing who's attacking me from, I mean, where are all my vulnerabilities on the outside walls, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, you know, kind of to use that analogy too, is that it's, you know, I, I, because I've thought about, <laughs> I've thought about the same, the same, using that same kind of castle doctrine idea too, is that, you know, you don't want to just rely on, on, you know, yourselves looking at, you don't want to just rely on the cameras. You don't want to just rely on the sentries. You want a, a roving security patrol that will see something before it gets, before it gets there. You can observe it as an attacker would, right? Um, yeah. Kind of do that red teaming um, kind of on a consistent basis. Um, and that's, you know, I wouldn't call us a red team, right? But, um, you know, we we are able to highlight things that a red teamer, an attacker would would, would attack. So so exactly. um, back to the castle. I have a gesture that's like, hey, I, th I think it'd be cool to let this drawbridge down, right? Um, right? You know, aka a software developer like myself who says, I don't care about security. Most software guys don't. <laughs> um, no, it's all about free access. Open up ports wherever I need them. This could catch those sorts of things that I put out there, right? I, I put out there inadvertently exposing the castle to to have the marauding marauders <laughs> come in and take over, right? Abs yeah, absolutely. And you know, because I, I think that's an important point too, in the sense that you know, um, you know, folks are just trying to get their jobs done, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You might have a 
a dev that's working in a in a dev instance that they don't think is it isn't they're not intending it to expose it. Um, right. Yeah, and, it's inadvertent. Yeah, and it's um and instead of you know and it's everybody it, mistakes will happen. I think the idea of kind of saying that they never will is. You still have to watch out for it, right? So you still want to still want to keep a lookout for, it. and that's what we're able to do without a lot of, you know, we don't have to have a meeting with Dev every single day to confirm all this stuff. We can kind of do it on our own, so to speak, which I think is is good. Um, and uh, yeah, there's another another point I was going to make that I just slipped out of my head, but uh, oh, I know oh, what I was going to say okay. too. Um, you know, the other thing that we're looking at uh, that we've started to do is take a look at uh, JARMs, if you're familiar with those. No, um, I'm not. Explain what a JARM is. So I am, caveat, I'm no JARM expert, but uh, my my research that I've done on it, right, it's it was, as I understand it, developed by Salesforce. And the idea was kind of around the idea of basically using some TLS fingerprinting on specific servers so that they could, when they deployed servers, they could make sure that it matched this TLS fingerprint. Okay. And then kind of do, and then by extrapolation, you can kind of see then the anomalies where it doesn't match the germ fingerprint. Those would stand out. Similarly, when folks are looking for things like, so I think that's kind of where I was going with, um, you know, being able to look out for for architectures that you want to be in a specific configuration and find some. Of those and that things. are not. So, all right. right. So this is really, what you guys really provide then is. Um, and I, I went, when you guys showed me this stuff, I, of course, went and checked, you know, sure. it's pretty cool. You you provide a picture of the whole internet, all the yep. endpoints on the internet, what's running behind it, uh, behind that endpoint. Um, it's pretty darn scary. I mean, very. come on, Matt, it's very scary. Absolutely. So isn't, aren't you just giving another tool to hackers and high school script jockeys that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take down the NSA today. Right. I mean, aren't you, aren't you just giving them more tools? Come on, Matt. Great, great power, great responsibility. Right. It's um, (laughs) well, you know, the first, the first thing I say too, is that the, the folks that are looking to do bad things, whether they're nation states, whether they're individuals, they're doing this already. Um, they're all, they're already seeing what we see. Um, they might not see it on the scale that we see it. Um, but they're, they're, you know, the, the GRUs of the world and the, the FSBs of the world doing what they do, they've located targets and they're doing the scans that we're doing already using some of their own tools. So our mentality is let's, let's give the same even the playing field um, problem. Yeah. Let's give, let's give the same tool set to the folks that are to the defenders that, that don't get to see that all the time that don't really get to do a lot of this external vulnerable, external visibility at scale. Um, and the other part of that too is, um, you know, on the, you know, on our attack service management side of the house, it's, it's easier for us to control that, right? Because we're interacting with folks. Uh, we've got a good security team that we we know who we're dealing with. Uh, and, you know, we've made some tough calls to say, these, you know, these are folks that we, we're not comfortable doing a business with. Um, right, so they don't have access. They don't have access to it. Then. Exactly, yeah. So when someone, when someone wants to, uh, you know, create their tech service management platform, um, you know, they're, we're interacting with them on a, on a you know, daily basis almost. Um, on the, you know, on our data side of the house, on our search tool, for example, you know, any, to your point, you know, anybody can go in and create a free account and do, do some, but, you know, um, part of that is you have to know what you're doing a little bit too. Uh, you have to know what you're looking for and know the right area, but you can, 
you can start to take a look at some things that are out there that are exposed. Um, and that's where we're really, you know, we really try to push folks to to gain a comprehensive comprehensive understanding externally of what they're looking at, what would they look like exposed to the world? Because again, if they can find it through us, they can. There's other means. There's other means folks. they could do it. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's and it it's to your point, it's uh, it's um, a worthy uh, con- ethical conversation that uh, that we have regularly on how we want to present ourselves to the external world. So. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's say that I am uh, a company I'm worried about, or I'm an agency in public sector. I mean, we we're talking public sector, right? Sure. I'm an agency. All right. How do I get started? How do I, all right. External vulnerability scans. I call, I call you guys, I get you guys engaged to help me do that. Uh, and you mentioned a little bit, you've got like a vulnerability, what, 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 what do you have to offer me besides just all this data on how exposed I am? Sure, absolutely. So, um, so if we're talking about our attack service management platform, right? Um, when folks are when they're worried about software vulnerabilities uh, with us, uh, there's a couple things that are, that we surface right off the bat. One of those things is end of life software. That's a real easy thing for us to do because we're we're, okay. we're really good at fingerprinting that software. We're really good at identifying where it is, what hosts that are tied to. And highlighting when it when it's end of life. That's a, that's a pretty easy correlation for us to make. And for anybody that sees that, even if even if they've done patches, that still can be a priority for them because they're like, it's only a matter of time until somebody figures out another vulnerability. This thing we need to get it off our books. We need to we need to find it. Yeah, like like Apache plan. Server one right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's still be running that. Yeah, and they want to they want to get ahead of that, especially leaders. They go, it might be end of life. It might be patched. But at the end of the day, we need to we need to find out a solution for this in the future. Um, the second part is, you know, and this is I think the really exciting part, honestly, is I'll use our lo- we'll use the log4j example, right? When that dropped, our researchers immediately went into let's let's catalog everything that we can that has log4j dependency and then basically let's alert folks folks to a risk within the oh file. so very proactive then in that exactly case. yes um so we you know we're doing kind of rapid response actions like that where we surface those risks risks specifically but also folks can leverage can go into our platform and search for specific cves that they're interested in so Basically, then we can surface software versions that are, that correlate to those certain CVEs, and they can they can take a look at those right off the bat and see if that's a concern for them. All right. So the obvious question that people are going to have is, can I run your stuff on my internal networks? Because, I mean, you guys do a, a you're doing a great job on the external internal. I want to do the same thing. I want I want one place to go to see where my vulnerabilities are. Can can you guys do that, or do you integrate with someone? I mean. I don't want all these different systems all over the place. Totally. Yeah. And for folks that are, that are looking for kind of a one set, cause they they'll, they're going to have their, you know, their endpoint, their endpoint management services and protection services that they're, that they're using too. So that's really where our SIM integrations come in, our integrations with the Splunks and XORs that are out there. Um, you know, I would say that we've had some we've had some unique requests when it's come to integrations and our engineering team 
accepts every single challenge uh, and every <laughs> single time I'm like, oh, this is going to take months for us to do. And it, within weeks, we've got something up and running. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely a concern for folks that, that, that want to do that. So that's, that's how we, because we understand that, you know, some folks, you know, some, it depends on the sizes of the teams, though, they might have enough analysts that will have enough time to spend on, on our UI on both, and yeah. really dig into that. And then other ones are like, I just, we don't have, we don't have the time for that. And that's fine. We can work with whatever they're, whatever they're. Preferring. So you, you can produce a feed though. Um, that I can then ingest into another, into my master single pane of glass vulnerability dashboard, right? That, 100%. Yeah. Right. So and I'm not completely dependent on your UI. I, I guess. No. And then I think that's, you know, that, I, to be honest with you, like going back to the beginning of the conversation that I think that was a big draw for me as well to census, because I think, I think everybody in the security community has become frustrated with the the newest kid in the block saying, this is the only security tool that you like. And everybody <laughs> in security goes, you're already, you've already lost me because I already know that everybody knows that you don't, you know, you don't go to war with one weapon, right? Um, you don't have one thing that will, that will check all the box. And if you, if you do, you usually won't do all the things that you needed to do correctly. Um, so we, we definitely understand that. And, you know, great, you know, great, um, and now or you know, vignette there are, are folks that use us um, obviously for monitoring to surface certain risks, but they want to do some of those in-depth credentialed scans. They've already got a, a tenable Nessus that they're leveraging. Um, and so because those different tools can't do the exploration, can't do the discovery that we do of all those new assets, every time they discover a new asset with census, then they feed it in, do that credentialed scan. And now they've got a workflow that they can work with um, that it's a complimentary thing. It's a better together situation. I, I like that. So it's important. You guys are focused on detection yeah. of, and not, not detection of vulnerabilities per se, detection of X uh, cracks in your outside wall, right. Yeah. Or entry points into your outside um, castle wall, which I, I really like that you guys focus on one thing. Um, Cause that means you do it good. You got it. You got it. And, and how you can easily tie into other things. Cause I, I can see the flow. Oh, I found a new external asset. Ooh, go and run a deep um, vulnerability scan on that piece of software and server. What else is running on that, on that box, uh, virtual and non-virtual that's that you hand off to someone else that, that does that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, along the same lines too, I think, it's not only the discovery piece too, but I think we all acknowledge that, you know, every, you know, almost every organization that's out there that has a, any sort of IT structure to it has to, I mean, they have to have external, you know, they have to have a, a, a portal for folks to log into. They have to have websites yeah. there, you know, they have to have external um, facing uh, assets that are out there. And so when those things change, we monitor for those changes too. So, yeah, I know, like we, that. You know, we discovered it maybe, you know, two months ago, but oh, by the way, you know, RDP just opened on this thing that's never been opened before that, you know, did you, is this what you're looking for? And, and to that point too, right? Like, you know, to remediate that, you know, I think everybody wants to make that command decision on their own because maybe they're aware of it. Maybe they check on it. And that's what needs to be done. And they, but um, 
we tie into things like the services now and the JIRA so that they can start to create a workflow for remediation. Oh, you know? so that, that's really cool. So you can tie into a ticketing tracking system, say change was made to this external asset, mm-hmm. right? A, a new port was opened, a new protocol was exposed, or hey, um, it was updated. No one knew that it got updated. So you can do some checking. I, I, really, I really like this approach. I, th- I think it's pretty clever. Um, so, all right, here's the next big question. How many nodes are there? It's a trivia question. Hopefully you have the answer. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to scare you. And I know you're looking it up right now. Put me on the spot already. How many, how many endpoints are there on the internet? Oh, well, there's from, a good question, right? From what we can discover, um, which is, I'm glad you brought this up because we have this. If you go to uh, search.census.io. And that's um, C-E-N-S-Y-S. For yeah, those C-E-N-S-Y-S. That want to know. S-Y-S. Um, and Archer is even here to tell you about it as well, <laughs> because we knew that was going to happen. Um, but actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Yeah, I don't think I can share my screen. But if you go to search.censys.io, right off the bat, you can you can find out that we find uh, two two hundred fifteen, uh, a little over two hundred fifteen million uh, IPv4 hosts externally exposed. Um, We've got, we can find 21.8 million IPv6 hosts, uh, 559 uh, million virtual hosts, and then uh, over uh, 2 billion services that are out there that we that Wow, we that, is, that is amazing, right? And that's not even getting into our certificates that we find too. So, um, so it's, it's, a, it's a big chunk of data out there to explore. <laughs> that, that, that is pretty awesome. So, hey, Matt, thank you so much for, you know, educating me and hopefully my listeners on, on what you guys do and then how important it is. I mean, I, I really, I really like this idea, right? A third party doing scans, helping me identify my valid and, and possible vulnerabilities um, to the outside world on my secure um, fortress or whatever I want to call it. Cause we all know having a fortress that you don't let anyone in, doesn't do you any good. Right? It dies, right? It dies. It's, it dies. It's, You're right. I can't get food in. I can't, you know. Um, so I, we, we need we need this, but we also need to monitor and, and pay attention to it. So I, I like what you guys are doing. I think it's a, a well worth um, uh, product that you guys have and well worth endeavor that you guys are, are heading out towards. Thank you. I very much appreciate that. I appreciate it. It's um, I, I would be remiss to to negate the uh, Saint Javelin flag from Ukraine behind me. You know, that's we've we've put our we've put our data to use to help those folks out quite a bit um, and find some of those critical exposures. Uh, because again, it's you know we had that same that same uh, ethical discussion you know internally about that, and we uh, at the end of the day we knew adversaries were, were looking at them for um, for various uh, engagements uh, to to shape the battlefield so to speak. So we uh, we uh, engaged with some counterparts over there, and and hopefully it at least made their days a little bit easier. So that's well, I mean, I the 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 face of battle and war most definitely includes cyber now. Um, so um, you know. The fact that uh, that's out there, I think, uh, will uh, even the playing field for a lot of people. Yeah, that's our goal. All right, cool. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, 
Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.